Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. For our oldest and most loyal listeners out there, we wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Outside of our careers and time spent with family, the three of us here at Maltopia have been working every night and weekend for the past five years, building our company into what it is today. With your help, our goal is to make Maltopia our livelihood allowing us to bring you higher quality content, exciting new podcast series and published works, and a large central community for you to take part in. As a thank you for your support, we're offering exclusive perks and bonus content, like early access to podcast episodes, behind-the-scene creator videos, and more. Go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia today and explore our membership levels, and be sure to scroll through for free public content some of which gives you a sneak peek at what you can expect when you become a member. From Mark, Steve, and Walker, thanks again for enjoying our podcast, and we hope to meet you soon on Patreon.
The underground arcade was awash in nightmare, its every offering some dark token of a diseased mind. One chamber along its enshrouded, curving length drew her attention. A gallery containing heaps of tarnished golden crowns made from curling knots of snakes, each ornament's arch an upstanding length of fearsome serpent. Dividing the room was a lordly throne, its wide back the unfurled crest of a cobra, and seated upon it was a darksome figure whose eyes shone like poisoned stars. The crowd of partygoers that swept her along were indifferent to the sights, or entirely accustomed to them. Wherever the darkness prevailed, time was either irrelevant or non-existent, as the regressor could no more affect its course than if she had never emerged from the machine. Her sense of self, while diminished, was still at the forefront of her mind, remaining painfully cognizant of her predicament, that she was immersed, trapped, within a character from the movie to consume wonder. Here, her name was Henrietta Blair, a woman dressed as a two-headed calf, and she was one of many who would present the great turning worm with a splendid gift, all in the hopes of convincing the thing to abstain from waking the world from its bizarre raptures. Contained in the wide and cheerfully bedecked box tucked under her arm were the still-breathing lungs of one of the most accomplished screamers to ever announce the great darkness. Henrietta was certain that the great slug would find the present utterly jaw-dropping, despite its lack of the aforementioned mandible. One of the partygoers, a woman dressed like a gray clown, turned a critical eye about the stumbling throng, until finally asking one and all, Where are Victoria and Patrick? I don't see them among us. Surely they wouldn't wish to court the end of it all by not bringing a gift. Jumping up and down to look over the tallest members of the gaggle, the squat man in the rotting fish outfit croaked, How will we ever convince the world not to turn if we all don't pony up a fabulous present? A centennial is an almost irresistible occasion for change. We need all the offerings we can muster to stay the course. It was the seven-foot smoldering doll's turn to chime in. I bet it's that awful Victoria's fault. Do you know I caught her counting the other day? The crowd stopped in their tracks to give full attention to the smoking speaker. Oh yes, math. She was actually trying to figure out the number of flies in her coffee cup, if you can imagine such a thing. Why, I thought she might even start spouting equations. The gathering gasped at the mention of equations. Well, it couldn't be Patrick. He hadn't a spine for waking. He's barely a whispered dream as it is, opined the thin man dressed as a bloody pillow. Hazel knew her time to speak up was at hand. Before we show up too present shy of sufficient, we might better look in on the lovebird, shouldn't we? After all, if there's treachery afoot, we would do well to seek it out. Perhaps Victoria, perhaps both of them require waking. After all, we can't be blamed for missing presents if the Gevers have gone to the other side now, can we? The partygoers paused in silence, ostensibly giving the idea some serious thought. The smoldering doll broke the silence. You're quite certain, little Miss Blair, that this has nothing to do with young Patrick turning you away for Victoria after the party in the subway? We were all there. We all heard you curse her for a monster. Hazel, rapidly sinking into the persona of Henrietta, recalled the moment Patrick refused her, turning her away for a woman who seemed too curious for her own good. For all their good. I've no more interest in that mist of a man than you have. 
It was merely a passing flirtation brought on by the subterranean moon. Besides, we all know a victorious penchant for knowledge. She'd see us all solid and solemn on the other side of sleep so long as she could know something for certain. The way I see it, either she wakes or we do. Provided, of course, she has indeed sought to befoul the party. Caveat of the rotting fish. Are you looking for evidence, Gabriel? Perhaps you might be a better fit for that woman than even Patrick. Or I only meant... You only meant what, Gabriel? Henrietta smirked, mischief filling both sets of her eyes. Or what I meant to say is, we either seek them out on a whim, or not at all. Henrietta smiled more fully and almost shouted. Agreed. Let's away, then. The group seemed snagged in the spirit of the moment acting out of overwhelming impulse, if not obeyance. Hazel strained against her new identity, trying to claw into the past, but always finding the way blocked. What was it about the darkness that denied time its sway over space and matter? She looked for even the slightest of cracks, anything that might admit so much as a particle of her power, her leverage. But she knew blindly prying away at time came with its own risks. If she couldn't contain herself to the immediate past, outside the year of darkness itself, the regressor could find herself in the same shape as any who ventured to see the darkness as it once was. There were even laws prohibiting the use of hypno-regression for the purposes of recalling the darkness, specifically because all such people came out of their mesmerism as white-haired babbling lunatics, wards of the state forever after. Regardless, she refused to be absorbed into Henrietta, the most immediate threat appearing the most dire. The gang of partygoers took a large cargo elevator down into whatever underlay the arcade. Only the occasionally passing grooves and discolorations of the surrounding stone walls to indicate downward movement. After the elevator lowered into the foggy innards of a thoroughly wrecked hallway, a vast wind poured across the assemblage the slack fabrics and flesh of their disguises flapping furiously. A storm had settled into Victoria's building and was tumbling through it, lashing and crashing with a furious abundance of thunder and lightning. Hoping to avoid the nexus of its fury, Henrietta waved the group into an adjacent hall that seemed more pleasantly populated. While the way was delightfully absent the bluster of storm, the dark was overly thick, sticking to the celebrants where they brushed its denser concentrations. Once through the hall, they emerged looking like they'd only just sprung from a tar pit. This was quite unfortunate, as the pest cloud that greeted them quickly transferred itself to their sticky coating of liquescent darkness. Oh dang. Our dang gum costumes are ruined. We can't show up to the party dressed as the same insectoid abomination. Henrietta, this here's all you're doing. The bloody pillowcase bellowed. Please. We can't attend the party at all without the appropriate number of worm gifts. This is Victoria's fault. Hers and hers alone. Henrietta howled back, her voice trembling with indignation and from a throat filling with flies. <laughs> now who's dabbling in digits? Last bit was clearly a calculation. The pillow shot back. Despite the argument, the crowd pushed on, committed to their whimsical journey. The smoldering doll, the only partygoer to have successfully freed themselves of their coating of flies, for obvious reasons, kicked in Patrick's door and shouted, All right, you two saboteurs, the jig is most thoroughly up. 
Come out and face our charmingly fanciful justice. The space of the apartment was a blurry commotion of fly and storm and the conspicuous absence of both Patrick and Victoria. The doll smoldered all the more after it was struck in the chest by a wandering bolt of lightning, the ensuing thunder rattling the bones of one and all. A fine addition to my regalia, I'll admit, but we're still no closer to sorting all this out. Huffed the carbon-scored doll. Striking his forehead with an open palm, the rotting fish announced, Fools that we are. Sinners are always kept below, generally in a perpetually burning place. Yes, of course. They must be in the basement, likely near the incinerator. Henrietta exclaimed with a smidgen of hope. Hazel tried to fight through the imposed persona, but her mind kept going to the worm party. How the world might break apart should the creature find its gifts wanting. Her thoughts narrowed to the one person in her life that really mattered and screamed out his name. The lovers were stretched out in front of the incinerator, their eyes wandering the shadows splashing across the walls. Patrick shivered despite the nearby fire, the flames that consumed his sinning. Had he doomed the world, he wondered? Had his love for her crushed out the dream of it all? Victoria rested her head upon his shoulder, squirming larvae crossing into her hair from the corners of his rotting mouth. Keith was barely visible within the role of Patrick, the hallmark of any great thespian. Yet it was not theatrical excellence that lent to him his immersion, but only the opportunity to dodge the scream. But while Keith was merely a breeze of awareness, he was creating the foundation for a song nonetheless, a steady beat of whispers destined to become screams. It was only a matter of time. Victoria had never once explicitly stated she wished for the world to end, although Patrick did recall one time when they looked out over the city from the rooftop, listening to the stars where they sang from the gray firmament, when she might have let slip her intentions, if only slightly. He had asked her if she was ever overcome by it all. All she said was, Curiosity is both the road to and away from wonder. Her words never left him. They were terrifying. Victoria looked into his eyes, and likely finding too many questions to ignore, she said, I dream of having been a different woman, solid and sturdy. She wakes beneath a sun that doesn't ignite the clouds into starflies, or rain songfire. It moves so slowly across the sky every single day, days that both begin and then, once running their course, end it. And the patterns, Patrick, just wonderful things. They made such sense of the world. She never lingers too long on any given sight, all of them to be taken in or left behind. And the sights never become her, just occur to her. Every now and then, she trusts the world because it never appears as anything other than what it is. And there it was, laid open to its misshapen bones, the ugliest dream he could imagine. Rather than simply wake herself to the possibility of her awful visions, she would rather drag everything and everyone down with her, force the worm's hand, so to speak. He'd unconsciously pushed her away from him as she concluded her confession. Her face was a contortion of horror and betrayal, a mirror to his own. Patrick, I thought you would understand. Shouldn't things have foundations, reasons, limits to their existence? And so that's what you've become to me, a known quantity, dead. I never asked to know anything about you. 
Not one thing. Why would I, when your mystery was far more enthralling? You've gone and ruined yourself, Victoria. You. You awakened thing. I should have known better than to love a creature like you, Patrick. You're barely present as it is, lost to all this foolish, bottomless splendor. Just a big, dumb moth. When you chose me over her, I thought it was because you understood. But you don't. You can't. I chose you because you exuded mystery and peril. Your mere presence radiated danger, commanding my fear, even my awe. It never had to die, Victoria, but here it lies, dead, in this very room, forever. I think we've heard enough, shouted Henrietta, charging from where she and her fellow eavesdroppers listened from around a corner. You should be ashamed of yourself, you witch. You'd have woken everyone up just to see if you could. Victoria backpedaled from the mob dressed in layers of writhing filth, stinging from Henrietta's accusation. Patrick stepped between his former lover and the advancing partygoers. Wait, I will need a gift, a costume. If we are to stay the worm from turning, there's no time for vengeance. Henrietta sidled up to the man who once spurned her, hissing venom into his ear. She could be made into something exquisite, don't you think? Anything shy of spectacular just won't do. Patrick walked to the incinerator and coaxed ashes from its open mouth with a long metal hook used to push trash deeper into the flames. Scooping up the debris into his right hand, he said, Somewhere in this soot is mixed a letter she burned to save her skin. Should she fail at a plan, this will be my gift. The ashes of betrayal. Now that's a peerless gift. Cheered the grey clown, pointing at the offering with her bundle of fly-covered, sorrowful balloons. Speaking of skin, Patrick, you will still need a costume to attend the party. And I've the perfect idea. Henrietta's smile glowed as she directed his attention to Victoria, and then withdrew a long, curving knife likely the same one she'd used to procure her own gift for the turning worm. Why not go to the party, dressed as her? Victoria swallowed loudly as her eyes widened to admit the mounting horror of her predicament. Patrick, please, no! Was all Victoria could muster. Her lover turned to amateur Skinner, took a deep breath, and took the knife from Henrietta. I'm so sorry, Victoria. But you brought this on yourself, after all. You call me a moth, a mere mist of dream. So what hopes did I have of surviving? What real desire did you have to see me on the other side? You just wanted company, a shadow as you paced the solidifying holes of your wicked plan. And now I must wear your skin. What a shame. Keith came into focus as Patrick stalked closer to Victoria, who was now struggling, very much in vain, against the many grotesque forms seeking to steal her for the approaching blade. Yet it wasn't the scene without him that consolidated his persona, but the ever-growing chorus of whispers turned moans slowly edging out the silence inside him, making ready to destroy it altogether.
Keith wanted very much to care about the poor woman currently being carved into party wear, but the screams that occasionally clogged with blood were nothing compared to the scream to come. Somehow, likely due to the movies, as well as the merger buildings, strong connection to the darkness, it enabled the scream to manifest additional features, supplying the conductor a more nuanced appreciation for its sonic extents. He could hear the smaller screams that comprised it, revealing the thing for a composite creature. Countless tragedies opening countless mouths, loosing tear reborn as sound into the night-blackened air. As Keith struggled with the sound in his head, his eyes detected a change in scenery. Patrick and his merry band of partiers had finally arrived within the depths of the earth, where throngs of costumed monstrosities flapped and rolled and hopped to the irregular melodies filling the air, all of it for the centuried worm. Even as Patrick laid his gift upon the towering pile of colored boxes, smartly dressed in his dazzling red attire, he could feel a spacious foreboding crowding the psychic ether deflating his hopes for the continuation of the previous century's remarkable merriment. He knew the assumptions about his solidity were well-founded, that he was merely a phantom of a man, not so much as a stitch of hard reality to him. While the others were likely dreamers immersed in their own dreams, he was undoubtedly only a dream, summoned forth by a fairly unimaginative mind. There was no hope for him outside of sleep. Keith found his mind entangled within his character's musing, forcing him to wonder what life could mean for him now that all he loved was lost. There was much ballyhooing as the great turning worm, a bright red-headed undulation of sodden flesh and stinking flexing folds, drew its ponderous mass up to the mountain of gifts. A tiny creature costumed as a mouse, or perhaps an actual humanoid mouse, did the worm the favor of unpeeling its gifts and lifting them to the thing's eyeless attention once revealed. Gift after strange and wonderful gift passed by the faceless master of change, which was apparently pleased by the pageant of presence as the world remained happily stable, after a fashion. But Keith couldn't resist the scream its sway any longer, and could feel its desire to contribute its own offering to the beast. Overcoming his character, and in tandem with the opening of Henrietta's gift, Keith loosed the scream of all screams, the sound of darkness. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Maltopia podcast. To help us grow and spread the word, we'd love nothing more than for you to like, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. You can also connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and tweet us on Twitter for the latest original artwork and important updates. And for even more about our ever-growing literary world, head to Maltopia.com to read our dark fiction and gain access to giveaways and discounts with our newsletter. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. 
The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Cersei. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Cersei on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.